Welcome to the Feature Film Podcast. This week we're talking about a movie that everyone hates except me and my wife, and we have a special guest. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Feature Film Podcast, guys. I am Kyler, and this week we have a special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, and a longtime fan of the show, Christian Kramer. I know. I'm, I'm glad to be here, Jeff. I'm so excited. I just can't believe I made it to this show. I mean, how did this happen? It was a long road. It was a long road for sure. It was a long road. I don't know how I got invited. I mean, I made it past security all the way to the Zoom call inf- infiltrated. I mean, I'm just glad to be here. We'll see how I know. long until they kick me out. I know. It's it's crazy. I You know, maybe I should call security. They oh. should. You want me to put them on this call? I'll no, don't get cybersecurity on here. <laughs> I don't think they have opinions. <laughs> They're just hired bodyguards. Yeah, they just tell. They just do. They 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 do what we tell them to do. Yeah, they just inflict my computer with malware for breaking in. Exactly. Okay. So why do you like Wonder Woman 1984? Or yeah, 84. Wonder Woman 84. Well, yeah, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Wonder Woman 84. Man, I thought the movie was great. I, I really, I didn't have many complaints, which apparently I'm a moron because everyone else has complaints. And th- this is why I liked it. I thought it it kept my attention. It easily set up in the very beginning scenes where you see Themyscira and, you know, Diana is running this race with full-grown Amazon women. She's running this race and she almost wins. And that whole scene just sets up what you're going to see in the rest of the movie. And it's really, I I just thought, okay, I know what I'm getting into. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought it was really clear, which um, I mean, that that's probably a good goal for most movies to, to attain. Yes. That is, you know what you're getting into. Now I, I know that some movies like you could have a movie that doesn't set up what you're going to get into, but Oftentimes I find it's easier to digest when you kind of know what's going, what what's going to go on mm-hmm. now, how they explain the rest of the movie and how they play out the, the, the theme of the movie. That's what kept, kept it interesting. So th- that's what I liked about the movie overall. Um, and we can get into specifics as we keep going, but what, what you, what did you not like about the movie? The worst thing they could have possibly done with this movie, I would say, is it was boring. Like, a movie can be just about anything, but if you make it boring, then there's there's no reason for me to watch it. Like, any, every film tries to tell a story, but I have to at least be somewhat entertained, and there is definitely a point where I didn't like it. Like, I'm not, and like, I know one of the things I noticed was like, from that opening mall sequence to like the next action sequence was just so incredibly long. I looked at it afterwards and they said, I think it was like an hour and 21 minutes between like that first action sequence at the mall. And then like the next one, I'm not sure if we're going to spoilers. So we'll say that later, but like an hour. And and I mean, I I can live with there not being action. I mean, I'm totally fine with like a drama or romance or anything else, but I felt like just the scenes didn't work in on themselves. I mean, like, I just feel like they crapped on all the characters. Like they brought back Steve Trevor for like the dumbest reason. Like they only brought him in just so that, the ending could happen and it felt like there was nothing else. So I didn't really like that. And then of course, like they have to have him like possess somebody else when everything else about the concept made like no sense. So it was like, really didn't, they didn't have to do anything. 
the action and also like the humor I felt I didn't like. Like I felt like with Cheetah, just everything about her just didn't work. And then like the plot made no sense. I feel like they just pulled something out here and there. Like, I mean, there's a scene like where she's like, oh, we're like, they're going to track us because of radar. And then Wonder Woman's like, oh, well, actually I have this invisibility power that I've been working on that I did a coffee cup once in a while ago. And she just makes it invisible. Like you have to explain it. You can't just like have powers come out of nowhere. You have to have some like, normally they would like show some scene where like they'd try it and then they'd fail. And then like when they try it again, then the characters would be like, oh, you can't do that because it didn't work last time. And she's like, oh, well, actually I just had this magical moment. And it's like, you have the power of invisibility. Like you could use that in like the rest of the movie, make it so easy, like make your car invisible. And then like, when you see Max, you just jump out of the door and just like punch him in the face. I mean, like when you bring in the concept of invisibility and then also like that wasn't established at all. So it's like, what other powers are you hiding? Is I can understand that me? for sure. But I, I will say when I saw her turn the plane invisible, I flipped out because Wonder Woman in the invisible jet is a longstanding idea within Wonder Woman's uh, canon whether or not it came about in the comics or in animation, whenever uh, there was a Justice League show or, you know, Super Friends or any of the other iterations of Wonder Woman, she has had an invisible jet. So I think more than anything, it was probably, probably fan service. Mm-hmm. Now I do agree. Yes. Most of the time they would set that up. Um, so, so I can see your point at the time normally by like yes. competent filmmakers, but fair. Uh, I'm willing to at least chalk that one up to budget cuts. I, who knows if they this had... This is a $200 million film. You cannot use budget cuts as these. I looked it up beforehand. This is the same budget as like any Avengers film. And I'm like, okay, did like, was the mafia involved in this? Because there's no way this was a $200 million film. There was some serious money laundering or something going on. Okay, I'll give you that one. Um, I think the Steve Trevor thing actually really worked. I thought really? I thought it was a little weird to to have this random dude kind of like transform into trevor Mm -hmm. but i think once i just kind of accepted okay i see it she she's the only one who can see him this way it made sense going with the the idea of the dream stone Mm -hmm. um i could get on board with that and then i really i loved the exit for trevor uh i didn't mind that he came back i i I liked that i wanted him to come back too i just felt like they could have handled it better because like I mean, like, I guess it's like a light spoiler. It's in like when the beginning of the film, so it's not that big a deal. But she kind of like wishes for Steve Trevor to come back. And then he just takes over someone's body. And then it'd be one thing if they like explored the concept a little bit or the reality stone was a bit more grounded into stuff. But the stone like literally like makes nukes appear out of nowhere in like hundred foot walls. So it's like, why can't we like just have Steve Trevor back? Because like in the first scene, like they, they're together. He like sleeps with her. So that's like technically like he's using somebody else's body. So it's like, It'd be one thing if they like they had the stone a bit more realistic or there are these standards to it. But then when they bring him back afterwards, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's just Steve. He's back. And then she like is sad about having him go. But it's like he's, he literally took somebody else's consciousness for like the entire film. Well, I'm willing to I'm willing to. When it comes to how the dream stone works, I'm willing to kind of relate it to Thor's hammer. You know, like if Thor sets his hammer down in an elevator, can it still go up? If you push it in space, will will you still be able to move it? Like there are certain inconsistencies about Thor's hammer and the magic that it that it um, that it has surrounding it that mm-hmm. allow Thor to wield it or whoever is worthy. There there are some inconsistencies with it because of physics and um, other things. But 
like I'm willing to chalk up the dream stone has inconsistencies because it's magical. Mm-hmm. I can get over, I can get over having Steve Trevor take over someone else's body. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably a really, uh, I think it was an intriguing way to, to bring him back because you see a random dude calling for Diana and then, you know, saying things that only he, only Steve Trevor said to her. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, Oh crap, this really is Trevor. This is Steve Trevor. Um, I think it adds a little bit more mystery to the entire um, build up to the revelation of what the Dreamstone is. And, and I feel like on paper that works really well. They just, like, if you told me, like, what's the worst possible way you could have executed this? I feel like Wonder Woman's like, oh, this is the worst possible way you could do this. Like, like when they did it originally, like, I didn't even believe in, like, are they, are they seriously going with this? Because, I mean, like, the Dreamstone was kind of just, like, such a whimsical thing where it's just, like, like, another thing I had with it was the Dreamstone was, like, it didn't seem like there was any buildup to it. Because, like, the first scene where they introduced it is, like, these robbers like robbing a bank in the mall and they're like oh well, this is actually a black marketplace so here's this magical stone and then they take that and then they have no idea what it's worth but like normally if there's this huge like giant weapon or macguffin that like is, is like can like literally any wish you could get like if this is a black market stone place like there would be some security like if you remember in the first scene in the age of ultron like the first thing they're doing to get the infinity stones they have to like a f- huge battle sequence of trying to defeat all of hydra because they know it's an important stone and then the wishing stone, it was like, I almost didn't believe it was the actual stone in the movie because it was like, there was like literally one person in the bank that was like, oh yeah, you caught us. This is a bank. Here you go. And then that action sequence was also incredibly cheesy. So like when she whispered originally, I like didn't believe it at all until it was like Maxwell Lord. I guess this is a light spoiler also, but like, what's the number one rule in a wishing movie? You can't wish for more wishes. Yeah. You can't wish for more wishes. So What's okay, audience? I'll give you one like three seconds. How do you get around the you can't wish for more wishes thing? Do 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 do. do. We don't have time for all those do's, but I bet I could do some pretty good do's. He wishes to become the stone, and I'm like, this is like I was like almost for a second expecting like just like just become a stone, and then maybe like Cheetah would grab it or something like that, or like maybe he'd like turn into the rock and like somewhat of a stone thing. I thought that would have been like a good plan words or something. But no, he just becomes the stone. So then he just has the powers of it. And then that way, whenever like anybody makes a wish, like they'll say like one or two things and then he'll just like add his own stuff into it because he's the stone. So I'm like, that seems like an interesting concept, but now you have like infinite wishes. So like you should be unstoppable and be able to do whatever you want. But he's just kind of like, I want people to wish for me because, and then like there's plans where he'll like go to certain people and travel across the world for wishes. Like you're literally like a genie at this point you don't need to travel everywhere and like go to these certain places to like make your own wishes because you are the stone so here here's the thing and this is this is a point in the movie that i i did have an issue with and i looked this up i did research because i i, I couldn't i couldn't figure it out really there's this point in the movie where they're trying to figure out oh my goodness what is this actual thing one woman and steve trevor go to max lord's office they find the disintegrated stone with the little metal ring that it was in so the ring itself that was sitting around the stone had latin writing on the outside but on the inside it had the language of the gods and she freaked out um and then as they as uh cheetah's character i can't remember her her character's name i don't care she, her character's name 
as she did research. I and think it was Barbara, actually. Sorry. Barbara. That's right. She did research that uh, showed the, the, the dream stone throughout all of history and all different cultures. And they ended up like finding someone who was a descendant of the Aztecs and he didn't practice or anything, but he knew about the stone. And so they went and they talked to him and they, they said, oh my gosh, this stone is actually the monkey's paw. Mm -hmm. The monkey's paw, the idea of it is it will grant you wishes, but it will also take away from you the thing you hold most dear, or it will exact a terrible price. So that's how, that's why Max has to go around and get people to wish for stuff because he can't wish. He only takes from the other person. Mm -hmm. He'll give, but he, ha he will have to take something from them. That's why he has to do that. Now, the problem with that is the monkey's paw myth. It's an English myth developed in the early 20th century. It's a, it's a short story. It has nothing to do with Greek gods. It has nothing to do with any culture other than um, in the story, someone in the original short story of the monkey's paw, a person named, he, he was a type of person called a fakir, as far as I can tell, that's how you say it. He's an Arabic man, a Muslim man who who is homeless and he depends solely on God for um, all his provision. That's what a, a fakir is. But in this story, he places a curse upon this monkey's actual paw. And it can, I mean, it can give wishes, but it will take something from you. And so that's where it originally came from. So I don't, I don't really know where they came up with this idea and how they thought it was okay to associate the monkey's paw with Greek mythology because it's it's not and they and Diana tried to associate it with the Greek god of mischief I looked up who the Greek god of mischief is and there's like three so who knows um that is one issue I did have with the movie but that's why Max Lord had to go around taking things from people mm -hmm. but oh wait, are you done sorry oh go ahead okay well, one of the problems I had with that was it'd be one thing if like you had to go to specific people, but there was like one person like literally wished for like a giant 50 foot wall that would like push everyone out of the building. So, and like he wished like, oh, I wish my wells had like more, had oil in them. So it's kind of like, it didn't seem like there were any limitations to the wishes. Like there's literally like one person like, I wish that I had more nukes. And then there's just a hundred nukes just appear. Like it doesn't seem like you have to be limited by like, you could go to any random stranger and be like, hey, can you like wish for this? And then I'll like, and then he'd add his own stuff to it. I didn't see why he'd have to like go to these certain locations to get his wishes. And then also like you were saying the concept of taking stuff away, that was also really dumb. Like Wonder Woman, like for her wish, she like gets Trevor back, but then she like loses her powers. But I feel like they explained that horribly because in like that one action sequence in the Middle East, she's like starting to bleed everywhere. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with this? Like what's happening? And then it's like- I think like, that's the point though. I think that's the point in this story. She's supposed to be able to take a bullet. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that is the point of the stone that it took away her powers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I felt like they didn't explain that well enough. Cause like, I didn't understand that because she's like literally like the, the daughter of Zeus 
And then I'm seeing her like bleeding from bullets. And I didn't understand then 20 minutes later, like, oh yeah, well actually you lost your powers when you wish for this stuff. And I'm like, if that had been explained better, there would have been some suspense in this scene. But instead it just really falls flat and just kind of like, okay, why is she doing that? But then at the I, same I time- I disagree. I think it makes it more- intriguing because you're you're you know you've seen how she acts in dawn of justice justice league and wonder woman you've seen that she can fight and be fine so that's why it, it didn't need to be set up beforehand that's it why it could have she could get shot and us be confused as to why it keeps the audience intrigued and looking for the next clue and that but the problem i also had was like so she was bleeding but then also she's like flipping cars over with her feet and then she's still like having all the powers. So there's unknown power structures kind of like she's weaker in some areas and then in other areas, she's still like just as strong as she was. So like they should have shown her like trying to like maybe like like flip a car over with her bare hands and like struggling to lift and trying to show that human side of her. Because instead it just kind of seems like, oh, she's bleeding, but she's still got all of her power set. So I didn't, I didn't feel like there was that suspense that could have been there because it was just, all over the place like there are scenes where she's like jumping 50 feet in the air and then landing perfectly fine after rescuing children with one hand and then there's other scenes where she's like just bleeding everywhere and then she like can't defeat somebody in a fist fight that's never had a day of training in her life when she's like i think they said 800 years old and like literally been shrank from the time she was born by the amazons like even if you have no powers you still should be able to take out just about anyone if you've like literally been trained by the gods on the amazon place and they're like just somebody that just had glasses that gets their powers in like five seconds. Like there's no way you're you're losing that fight. I see your point. Um, I could even get on board with that last part a little bit. But the the point of the progression of the movie is that she's losing her powers gradually, leading up to the defeat to Cheetah, mm-hmm. and then her realizing. Well, really, Steve Trevor realizing you have to wish me away now mm-hmm. because even though you have me it is taking the only thing that can save people Mm -hmm. it's taking your powers and so that that i don't have a concluding statement to that but that's what i think no and i get what you're saying you're saying that it was just kind of like just getting that realization for slowly losing your powers but i also had a bit of a problem with that because it didn't work well from a character standpoint because I felt like she was saying like, this is supposed to be some great feminist film about being empowering for women and you don't need no man. But like, she, they're pretty much saying like, she didn't do anything in life and was depressed and a loser because of Steve Trevor because she never let go of him. And it's like, that was 50 years ago. Like there comes a certain point in your life where you have to move on. Like they should have made it like, oh, she was so happy to seem to be like a bit of a, like she was sad that he was gone, but they made it seem like she was just completely depressed and didn't do anything. Like, I think one of my favorite, the one of the, film reviews that i've seen set him up was like it's supposed to be a feminist movie but the main character can't get over her boyfriend that she's sent for like a week like um for 50 years and then the other main girl character is like jealous of another girl's beauty and they end it with a cat fight that as a as a bird's eye view of the film it's pretty accurate uh i think that's a little bit funny um but i mean i think that wonder woman's love for Steve Trevor. I think that it, it it was genuine and that's why she had a hard time getting over it. I mean, losing a loved one can be hard and it can ruin people for, it, it for years hard. and years and years. And like, if it was Wonder Woman, like 19 after World War One or like a few years after that, that makes sense. But when it's like five decades afterward, there comes a certain point where like 
you, you can still have the pain of that loss, but there comes a certain point where you have to move on. Let me, let me go back to a point. I, I think I started this point and I never think I finished it. I like how Steve Trevor left. Okay. I, I will like... admit that that I'll give you, but the problem I had with it was there was so much crap beforehand that when that moment happened, I was with my cousin and we were just cracking jokes at that point. Cause it was like, at that point I was like ready to leave the theater. Cause I'm like, this film has like had me lose all emotional investment and it bored me. And I was just like, I'm just ready to get out of here. So like the moment like could have worked if it was a competent film. Like, I mean, like I wanted to feel those emotions, but at that same time, I felt like they didn't do anything. Like even with Steve, like he's in the entire movie and he's one of the best parts of it. But like he had like a good joke about modern art and like that fashion show with 80s stuff. But like besides then there's like an action sequence where like Wonder Woman's beating up people and he just has like a train in the White House beating up bodyguards. And I'm like, you didn't really need to be here. Like, if it wasn't for like they only had him in mind for that ending, but then everything else that he did in that film seen as kind of just like a tag along friend. Well, think of him then more as a MacGuffin for for Diana's character development. It, it's yeah, the film's not about him. The film I mean, is about Diana developing as a character, and that's what you see her do, especially when she she gives Trevor back. She she you know she says she renounces her wish, and he says. I, I will always love you or something like that. And then he's just gone. And then she heals. And that's when she realizes like, that's when the, that's when the, the setup at the beginning finally pays off because she's not living a lie anymore. And she's living the truth of what has truly happened. And I think this is probably the point where she moves on and you see her become the character in Dawn of Justice and Justice League where she isn't pining for this dude. Mm-hmm. Was that a pun? from Chris Pine. <laughs> it was unintentional, but yes, that was good. You can you can edit out the part where you said you didn't, it was unintentional and you'll just be that comedic genius that we all know you are. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I get what you're saying, but like, I still feel like Steve had to do more stuff because it kind of felt like he was just a tag along character throughout most of the scenes. Like if you had had the Wonder Woman movie and he wasn't in the hour between like when he, when he comes and when he goes, like he there wouldn't have been anything that really changed. It was kind of more like, I guess what your average female character would be in an action movie where they're just kind of like tagging along with the bad guys, almost a bit more of a damsel in distress type character. Like it felt like he could have done more. He just seemed like he was just kind of there. I think that, I think that really Max Lord and Chris Pine kind of, they mirror each other's characters in a way in their function as characters in the movie. They were both kind of there, but really the movie was about Wonder Woman and Cheetah. It was about Cheetah coming into power that she wished she had and Diana having to learn from the loss of Trevor. Um, and what happens is they end up, because Trevor has already died before, he has to go away. Yeah, but of course. We are all unfortunately, scared. because what? You froze there. What'd you say? Oh, I said it's it's kind of what I was expecting a bit. Like we all knew he was gonna go. I just was supposed to feel emotions there, but instead I was just like, oh, okay, I'll I'll see a better movie with Chris Pine in it. I think that really well, like, sure. Could they have put more Chris Pine in it? Yes. But again, I think that de- defeats the, the, 
the vehicle that he is supposed to be as a character. He's supposed to drive Diana's character development. And then Max Lord, he kind of shined in this because they didn't have to do anything with Trevor. Well, I'm not saying they needed more Chris Pine. I'm saying they needed better Chris Pine. Like I said, he was just existed pretty much. Like if you had like replaced Chris Pine with like any other character in any of those action sequences, it would have been the exact same film beat for beat besides that beginning scene where they meet and the ending scene where he goes away. Like if you would replace, like just take any character from the comics, like there would have been that same emotional level where I felt like when they brought him back, they didn't really do enough to justify him. And then with your point with um, Cheetah and Wonder Woman being the main people, I still felt like Cheetah was completely useless in the film. Like this was a long film and they needed to remove a lot of sections. And if they had removed like every section with Cheetah, I feel like the film would have played out almost exactly the same. Like maybe build her up for like a villain of another movie of something. But like, I just felt like every scene she was in, like she's kind of like this, oh, I'm so quirky. Look, I dropped my stuff and I've got glasses on because I'm a nerd. And then the next thing she gets her wish where she's like all power, where she's like all sexy and beautiful because she got the wish. And then she's like Diana. And then like in the last scene, it was like, they took like some unused CGI character from the movie Cats and just said, like, what if you fought Wonder Woman? So I will like, get really- to that. But let me go back to Steve Trevor for a moment. Okay. okay. I disagree with your thought about replacing him with any other character because it is the emotional connection to Trevor that drives Diana's character development. If you put in Aquaman instead, she she wouldn't have any reason to develop as a character Mm -hmm. and it's only through having uh steve trevor as the object she desires that she needs to let go of that she will develop the the point the 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 story is wonder woman and i understand chris pine and steve trevor should have been better i I, youth i think uh words I understand you think they should have been better. I think he was exactly where he needed to be. Well, I'm I'm still saying that like he did do stuff to the plot, but I'm saying like besides that beginning scene, that ending sequence, her character development is we need to stop Maxwell Lord and I'm so glad you're back. But I felt like they didn't even really have that romance or that chemistry from like the first one because like the first Wonder Woman movie is great. Like it's one of my favorite DC films and their character development there was so great and you couldn't replace it with everyone else. Where this one, like I just didn't feel like it just like Chris, Chris Pines just felt like, or Steve Trevor just felt like a cardboard cutout of generic male action figure that just so happened to have been in the last one. But the, the thing about it being a good film is that he did his purpose. In the end, yes, maybe there could have been a little bit more chemistry there, but the purpose of him there is to aid in character development. Yeah. I mean, he aided in character development. And like I said, I feel like most of the stuff might have worked on paper, but the execution of this, they could have not done worse. Like, I mean, it does help her character development, but I still felt like I, there wasn't really much of a change besides just letting go of a character. All that 50 years after they had a one romantic week together in World War One. Okay. And there, there, was, there was another problem I had. And I'll then another that. thing I had with the movie, another thing I had with the movie was they just wasted the entire theme of the 80s. Like the huge marketing material was, oh, it's said 1984. And then it was like, 
they had like maybe like an outfit or two in the 80s. And then it, if they ta- had this take place in 2020, it would have been pretty much the exact same film beat for beat. I'll give you that too. Um, I think they just needed a place in the timeline to put it. Yeah, but I don't, I'm like, don't, I don't make it a huge it. part of your marketing material. Is if as like calling it Wonder Woman 19, like you could have just called it like Wonder Woman Last Wishes or something like that. And then if you call it Wonder Woman 1984, and then you have a huge part of the marketing material be, oh, it's in the 80s. Look at all this cool 80s stuff we got. There's a mall here that's 80s and all this other 80s stuff. Then then you have to go on the 80s theme. But like, I, did they even have like an 80s like song in here? Uh, I don't know. I can't recall. Yeah, like normally the, the signature thing of an 80s movie is all those great 80s songs that were so much better than what we've got today. I feel like an old guy bragging about the good old days even though I wasn't around back then. But like it was kind of huge a huge marketing team of this is the 80s and then you watch it and it's like this could have taken place in 2020 and I would have there would be the exact same plot with the exact same style to it. I'll give you that. It didn't bother me much though. I'm just saying don't market it as an 80s movie and like a movie to get people's nostalgia going and then just not include it. Like I'm saying, like if they had like given it some cool title, like Wonder Woman, like Wish Carefully or something like that. Not that title, but this is on the spot. But like anything to like not say this is an 80s movie, you're going to like it because it's the 80s would have been fine with me. I'm just saying it was marketed as an 80s like nostalgia piece or period piece. And there was no period piece to the period piece. It was just still generic superhero film, which I love a good generic superhero film. Like some of the Marvel films are my favorite movies, but they never say, though, look at this different time period. Fair. And uh, I see your point. Did I, did that influence uh, in the end, like the marketing influenced how you went into the movie? And is that why you were partly disappointed in it? Um. Yeah, it is a bit of a disappointment because when you market a film, like what you're doing is you're trying to say, this is the film we're going for. But I mean, it's a superhero film, so I wanted to see it anyways. And I could have, I could, there's a lot of things that you can forgive if it's a good film. Like there's a lot of movies I will say that like stuff doesn't make sense you don't think about. But when stuff becomes unenjoyable and you don't like it, then like since I hated Wonder Woman, it was kind of like, okay, what else did I not like? Or like when I watch a Marvel film, like a lot of the stuff might not logistically make sense. But it's enjoyable enough. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn my brain off and I'm just going to enjoy it. But like at that point, it was like, I felt like everything I was doing was just kind of like everything with Wonder Woman was another reason to not like it. And just makes you more nitpicky. Because normally I'll like just about anything. But just with this film, it was just kind of like they wasted about every single thing you could have done. I hear your point. I think think, uh, I've definitely experienced that in other movies for sure. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back to Cheetah. Um, Cheetah, I, I was not thrilled with when I saw her in the trailer. They, they show her in her cat form in the trailer and uh, ugh. Yeah. Like I said, it just felt like there was another character from Cats. I'm like, hey, can we borrow this film from another property? We'll stick him in here. Now, that being said... I was actually a little bit impressed when I actually saw it on the big screen. Really? I thought that the CGI looked better than what I saw in the trailer. I thought it looked more realistic. Um, so I gave her I, 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 that that one back a little bit of the faith in the movie. 
Um, and then this is kind of my last point that I had written down, but um, Max Lord, this is a this is an issue I had with the movie that I'll call it a half issue because mm-hmm. I can live with how the movie played out, but I I kind of wish it went the way I'm about to explain. Whenever he was in the the military base, you know, mm-hmm. using yeah. his powers at the end. And he was able to see his son walking around yelling for his daddy. Um, his dad, you know, was finally realizing, oh, what I'm doing is not the right thing. What I, I really wish his son had died. Like not to be morbid. Really? Yeah, not, not to, to be, be morbid. You kind of froze up there. Just you as say? a consequence of the end. I mean, I do get what you're saying. It definitely would have added some development and having some consequence of the actions, which that was actually another problem I had with this. Like he started a nuclear holocaust almost and nearly ended the one. He probably should have because like, like one part of the major part of the film was like a nuclear holocaust that happened because they go to the president and they're like, oh, there's a bunch of world drama going on. What do you wish when he's like, um, you know, I wish I had some way to like have world peace. What would give world peace? I know. What if I had a hundred more nukes? And I'm like, yeah, that's what the president would do if he had the option for one more wish. So then like Russia like starts a nuclear holocaust because of the president's wish. And then they undo the wishes. And then you see nukes like literally magically disappear. But I'm like, but it's only the wishing ones that should be affected. So technically like Russia's nuke should still be in there. And there should have been a nuclear holocaust. So I was expecting there to be like a take back of that where they like would like go to the beginning and like maybe even like having the stone. Be like, oh, I'm not touching that. And then like going back to it. So like in the DC universe, it's canon that in 1984, there was like almost a nuclear holocaust that just ended because. Oh, sorry. I did go on a tangent for um, the child part. I'm sorry for. Discrediting no, that. no, 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 that was fun. I do get what you're saying. If they did that, I think that would have been the only things that would have worked with that film because that would have shown some consequence to his actions because Absolutely. he gets away completely scot-free. Like even VeggieTales, they had a movie called Larry Boy and the League of Extraordinary VeggieTales or yep. Vegetables. Yep. And the villain at the end of that, he like still wants to be a good character and redeem himself, but he still gets arrested at the end. Sure. Like, how does this character get away scot-free from like doing a nuclear holocaust yeah. and like endangering the entire world? And he's like, son, I love you. I missed you so much. I mean- I, I do get what you're saying. Like, because if his son died, then there would have been some stakes to it. And he would have seen the consequences of action. Instead, it's just like his son just like walking around in what looks like a modern Seattle. And he's like, yeah. oh. Yeah, I think if his son had died, it would have added weight to the movie. And it would have shown like, this is what happens when you when you don't focus on what you should. Um, mm-hmm. And now when I think about it, I, I think maybe that's really kind of a deviation from the point of the movie which is truth. Um, that's the big theme of the movie. So I understand the, the idea. I, I think it's fine that he was redeemed in the end. I think it was fine that his son forgave him and he, and he turned from his ways. I can live with it. I don't think it was the best choice, but I also think that it was probably the choice that needed to happen for the movie because of Max Lord's actions would have detracted from the point of the movie in the end. Um, now I do I do kind of hate cheesy um, explanations of movies, um, like how she had a whole speech at the end. I think that, that was that went way too long. It it did go pretty long, um, but it was it, it did go pretty long. Um, I I didn't care for it. I wasn't bothered by it. Um, 
it's kind of it's just there and it's fine Mm -hmm. um but really i mean either way i still like this movie a lot i still think it's a really good movie no matter what and um you can have your own opinions i mean you can be wrong but you can have them oh shut up i'm joking joking. um i think that also i just was having a good day and i and i had a a good time at the movie theater and you know the movie i saw a long time ago that i cannot watch without cringing the entire time is maleficent mistress of evil and there are some you know directorial choices in there that suck and they need to not oh man my wife loves the movie but i i just cannot get on board with it and so and it probably was just because i went into it i remember sitting down in my theater chair thinking I'm going to try to enjoy this movie. I'm going to try and turn off the analytic part of my brain. And I'm just going to try and watch. And then the narrator came on and gave a bullcrap reason why this movie existed. They said, you know, if you know the story of Sleeping Beauty, you know that Maleficent turned good. Well, eventually, uh, over time, people forgot that part of the story. And she became this evil monster in their minds again. And I was just mm-hmm. like, if that's where we're starting this, I'm, I'm done. And so... I understand like not liking movies for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I want to thank you for coming on because th- this was awesome. I appreciate it. I'm, yeah. I'm missing some of my notes, but I think that's the main point, like the power structure learning to fly and all that. But um, I mean, I think that's some of the basic points of it. So, I mean, I, I appreciate being on here. Hope I didn't crush your opinions too bad. You pointed out some things that, that I can see as flaws more now. Comment I mean, below. You, comment on who you think won. I mean, comment below if I'm right, and if you think Kyler is right, then you're just his friend that likes him, and you don't know me. So that's the only people that listen to this podcast anyway. Friends who like me. <laughs> oh dang it! I'm losing this one. But y'all know I'm right, audience. As cool as Kyler is, you know I'm right on this. If you've seen this movie, then I'm sorry for you. Like, if you wanted to, like, for me, if you wanted to make a personal hell for me, like, just play 1984 on loop. And that, that's, that's really all you would have to do. Like, I, like I, I, I felt like this was a three out of 10. I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and for me personally, the one thing I like about this film is I want to be a director. So it gives me hope that if they make crap like this, then there's a shot I can make it. But since you like it, I mean, like, I mean, no, no disrespect to you, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I just like, I felt like if you, if I had to make a list of like, the top 10 films I saw in the theater this year, like I saw four films in the theater and this would have been ranked the 10th spot because there was like six blank spots because it doesn't deserve to be close to like <laughs> Hennett or Sonic the Hedgehog. I even saw a film with a hitman that was hired to kill Mel Gibson. And that was like, actually like one of the better ones. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the pod, man. Oh, I appreciate it, dude. Thanks for inviting me. It was Absolutely. an honor. Absolutely. Um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, I, I forgot to say this at the beginning, Christian found, you know, the reason I found out about how he hated wonder woman was because he followed us on letterboxd and ranked it as a, I think a one star out of five. One, like I might give, I would probably give it a half star, but I feel like something like cuties might deserve to be lower than that. There you go. So 
uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Interact with interact with us on all those platforms, mm-hmm. and uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, Red Relic Productions on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, They're finding this, they probably know where to find us. And if you want to check my stuff out, personal Instagram is just probably Christian Kramer. And I've also got a meme page. We post daily memes at Moist Cheese Curls. Look that up. There you go. Moist Cheese Curls. Moist Cheese Curls, Red Relic Productions collab. I know there's going to be one or two of you here, so I appreciate all you dank memers out there. Perfect, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, dude, it was my pleasure.